The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has a message for President Donald Trump. While he's on foreign soil, he's urging President Trump to talk to the Republicans, talk to the GOP before those Mexico tariffs start. Tick-tock. It's like deja vu on tariffs all over again, not with the Chinese but with Mexico, we'll take you to an exclusive interview that I had with Democratic Party leadership in the House of Representatives, Hakeem Jeffries. Hakeem Jeffries, he's talking tariffs. He's talking impeachment. He's a Democrat representing New York. And Congressman Darren LaHood's going to call in, Republican from Illinois. He's a House Ways and Means Committee member. Trade, trade talk. It's all anybody wants to talk about. Trade, trade, trade. And, of course, we'll also take you – into the brewing 2020 battle all-star panel to help us navigate through what was supposed to be a slow week to be honest but now we've got the rain coming in a little bit of a damper crystal ball is back democratic strategist the rising co-host she's co-host of the rising on the hill tv and doug high republican strategist former rnc comms director and former deputy chief of staff to eric canner but before we do all of that martin DeCaro, busy busy headline day what's up That's right, Kevin. And Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell delivered that message today at a private meeting saying the president should hold off on the tariffs until he can personally talk with Republicans. Senator Ted Cruz was in that lunch meeting. I understand that the president is frustrated with congressional Democrats refusing to do their job or to do anything to fix this crisis. That being said, this is the wrong solution to the crisis. A high-level Mexican delegation's been at the White House this afternoon seeking a compromise. Sources tell Bloomberg that before the tariff threat, Mexico had agreed with the U.S. to detain a specific number of undocumented migrants, as many as 800 per day. But illegal crossings surged. The president's in Ireland, meeting for the first time its prime minister, Leo Varadkar, and he made some puzzling remarks about the possibility of a no-deal Brexit which would mean the return of checkpoints along the border between the north and south of Ireland. Trump said Ireland would have nothing to fear under that scenario. I just left uh, some very good people that are very much involved with Brexit, as you know. And I think that'll all work out. It'll all work out very well. And also for you, with your wall, your border. The Irish leader jumped in to tell Trump that his government is anxious to avoid a border as a result of Brexit. Tomorrow, President Trump goes to France to take part in commemorations for the 75th anniversary of the D-Day invasion of Normandy. 
Negotiations between House Democrats and the Justice Department over the Mueller report could be in trouble again. Democrats say they won't cancel a vote to hold Attorney General William Barr in contempt as a condition for renewing talks to obtain the special counsel's full report. The House has scheduled that contempt vote next Tuesday after weeks of refusals by Barr to comply with a subpoena. Those refusals and other issues are why many Democrats are pressuring Nancy Pelosi, the House Speaker, to begin impeachment proceedings. But she says she's not feeling that pressure, as we hear from Bloomberg's Irv Chapman. Pelosi said she understands the impatience, but she supports Judiciary Committee efforts to obtain testimony and documents while the House passes its bills, including permanent residence for people brought to this country as children. There is great grief and sadness and pain in our country about the behavior of this president. You get impeached and it's an indictment. You want to make sure you have the strongest indictment. Pelosi said too many Americans think if the president is impeached by the House of Representatives, he's out of the White House. But that's not the way it works. On Capitol Hill, Irv Chapman, Bloomberg Radio. The Trump administration announced it'll end medical research by government scientists using human fetal tissue. That's despite pleas from scientists who say some health problems can't be studied any other way. Research using fetal tissue that otherwise would have been discarded after an abortion has been funded by the government for decades. And the administration also announced it will stop reimbursing some contracted shelters for the cost of teaching immigrant children being held in the United States English language courses and providing legal services and recreational activities like soccer. It's time now for the Beltway Business Report, wrapping up the day on Wall Street. We go live to Bloomberg's Larry Kofsky. And Martin hopes that tariffs on Mexican imports will not materialize. Extended Wall Street's rally, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, picked up another 207 points. The S&P 500 added 22. The Nasdaq Composite rose 48. Economic growth improved in recent weeks, and the business outlook remains solidly positive. That according to the Fed's latest beige book. But tariffs, a slowdown in manufacturing, and struggles in agriculture are clouding the outlook in some Fed districts. Private employers hit the brakes on hiring in May, adding just 27,000 workers. The latest report from ADP came in weaker than expected. The Institute for Supply Management says U.S. service businesses expanded in May at the quickest pace since February. Its service sector index topped expectations. Fiat Chrysler and Renault are closer to a merger. Reuters reports Fiat Chrysler has a tentative deal with France on terms of a deal as the Renault board continues to meet. The Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. area stock index gained nine-tenths of one percent. You're up to date on business from the Beltway to Baltimore. I'm Larry Kofsky. This is Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Thanks, Larry. At Nats Park today, the Nationals blew a 4-1 lead but wound up beating the White Sox 6-4. Global news 24 hours a day on air and at TikTok on Twitter, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Martin DeCaro. Kevin? Thank you, Martin. Busy day. It's been a really busy week Wednesday. We're almost uh, halfway through the week. Uh, We got an all-star panel to help us navigate through the Republican Party is divided divided on these issue of tariffs and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell really breaking the silence today, coming out and saying, Mr. President, please, please deal with the Republican Party before before you raise those tariffs on Mexico. I'll read from my colleagues Jenny Leonard and Jennifer Jacobs on the Bloomberg terminal. They say Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell told administration officials that President Trump should hold off on imposing tariffs on Mexico until he can personally 
make his argument to Republicans in Congress. They go on to report that McConnell has warned the White House that Trump can't take the GOP support for granted. Doug High, he's a top Republican strategist. He's the former comms director to Senate Majority Leader Eric Cantor, as well as that or former Deputy Chief of Staff to Cantor, former RNC comms director, and Crystal Ball, Democratic strategist. She's also a co-host on the Hill TV's Rising, two all-stars in the game. Crystal, I mean, as a Democrat, it's like he, the president, no offense, he's not even trying to negotiate with the Dems. Sure. This is all about Republicans. Yeah. And, you know, it's a little hard for me as a Democrat because I don't really trust any of these people. The president <laughs> says he's not an optimist, Crystal. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to sort through, right? The president says he's not bluffing. What does that mean? We don't know. The Republicans say this time they're really going to hold his feet to the fire. What does that mean? We don't know. They've sort of threatened that a number of times and never really come through with it. But look, they're looking at this could really hurt their constituents. Many of them have not supported tariffs in the past. This is a whole new world for them with this president. So will they actually try to talk him down from the ledge? We'll see. And and so many of these these voters, I, I agree with, I think, all of that. So many of these voters are voters who... Um, are otherwise very pro-Trump, um, and they're nervous about the impacts that this is going to have. This, if you're, you know, in agriculture in Iowa, which is a big part of Iowa, and north, eastern part of North Carolina, which is which is a big deal, you know, tariffs. Whether you're talking China or Mexico, um, are something that make these voters very nervous. And it's also, I think, you know, we we focus so so much on the all popular Trump within the Republican Party that we all we sometimes misascribe that for being all powerful. This is an area, you know, voters who are Republican members who stand up to Trump, so to speak, tend to get shot down. Mm -hmm. But if you speak up on specific issues, I think your voters will give you um, a lot of leeway on that, especially if, if they feel that you're acting in their behalf. You know, this latest thing on, on tariffs with Mexico, I think, is a really good example of that. President Trump is in Ireland following a three-day state visit to the U.K. He made some public comment about those tariff threats on Mexico. Here's the president of the United States. Mexico can stop it. They have to stop it. Otherwise, we just won't be able to do business. It's a very simple thing. Meanwhile, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi asked about it during a weekly press conference responding to the threat of tariffs against Mexico. Here's the Speaker of the House. This is dangerous territory. This is not a way to treat a friend. It's not a way to deal with immigration. And, you know, Crystal, I, I, I spoke with Congressman Hakeem Jeffries for Bloomberg Television earlier today. I'll play a part of it coming up later on in the program. He's a member of Democratic leadership, a Democrat congressman in the, in the city of New York City. And uh, the city of New York City, Kev, he's a Democrat from New York. And, <laughs> and I was saying to him, you know, you know, do you want to get USMCA done? And, and they want to get it done. Right. But it's almost like this is like pouring some political gasoline on a very contentious issue. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense because they seemed like they were actually pretty close to getting USMCA done. Now, this has really thrown a wrench into that. And look, I am not like I am not someone who has been opposed to all of the tariffs. I actually think that the president has put trade in the national conversation in a way that I have to admit has been important and powerful. I've supported some of what he's done with China. This particular move, when you're talking about Mexico, when you're talking about immigration, when you're talking about one of our closest friends, it's sort of like, you get a tariff. You get a tariff. You get a tariff, <laughs> right? Like the Oprah of tariffs. Tariff for yeah, tariffs wow. for everybody. And it, it starts to lose some of its power. It doesn't make sense. And it's counterproductive. If you want Mexico 
Mexico really partnering with you on immigration and having fewer people come across the border, you want to strengthen their economy, not hurt them. Yeah, and I think there's here's part of the problem for Trump is you have two competing interests here that speak to why Donald Trump um, was was ultimately nominated and, and elected. One is Donald Trump, the great deal maker. Well, if we if we don't get this deal, it's hard for him to make that case. But at the same time, immigration was you know a real rallying cry for him. So so he's really caught in a vice here to some extent of his own making. Um, and I, I'd agree with Crystal. A lot of you know for the past thirty years, Republican presidents. Um, Democratic presidents have not really talked tough and certainly didn't fight tough. Trump is doing things differently on trade, and a lot of that I support until it comes to tariffs. You know what's fascinating is, and Crystal really does have her finger on the pulse of of the the populist trade movement, is because Crystal has identified, Doug, the areas of the left and the right that that do agree on the issue of of trade. And, you know, when when I talk to people in Warren's political orbit or Bernie Sanders' political orbit, it comes down to those 70,000 voters. We always talk about them on this show in Michigan, Mm -hmm. Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Iowa, that really, I mean, you don't. I love the Bloomberg terminal, and I look at the commodity prices of and, and futures of how agriculture is trading. But you talk to farmers; they know, they know precisely how these how these agricultural commodities are trading because it impacts their bottom line. And that's why Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley, Republican from Iowa, we had Joni Ernst on earlier in the week, mm-hmm. but Chuck Grassley's been out in full force about this. Here's Senate, here's Senator Chuck Grassley, a Republican from Iowa. We think tariffs in this instance are hurting the chances they get in USMCA. So they don't like them, Crystal. Yeah. I mean, you talk about a state that has really been hit hard and not just on trade. I mean, the weather has been so brutal. These floods, which, of course, you know, climate change plays a part in. You've got the trade issue you already had through industry consolidation, farmer incomes down 50 percent over, I think, past eight years. I mean, you're talking about farmer suicides up. This is a massive problem in the state of Iowa. And at the same time, when you talk about Kev, the the politics here, you've got a few Midwestern states who have watched their towns be utterly decimated by globalization and I would say also automation. Things like NAFTA, which is what USMCA is now supposed to be replacing, that was a really important issue in this election that Democrats were on the wrong side of and that Trump picked up on and understood. Now he's in danger of blowing up that promise. Meanwhile, as Doug pointed out, on the immigration front, He's failed. I mean, the the numbers keep going up and up and up. You're the guy in charge. You had the Republican House. You had the Republican Senate. And he hasn't been able to deliver on the promise of, I am going to get the border under control. Doug? Yeah, I I think for Trump, to some extent, he doesn't need to deliver on that promise as long as he keeps promising it. Um, You know, the numbers being up make it more of an emergency for Donald Trump to talk about. Um, And ultimately, politically, that benefits him. But to Crystal's point, he has to he has to show some results at some point on something. And that's been a real problem for him. And, And again, if you can't get a trade deal through, well, then you're not the great deal maker. And that that's really hard for him, I think, moving forward. Warren wants to unionize your campaign. Bernie Sanders is hanging out at Walmart. Coming up, much more policy and politics. And we check in with Hakeem Jeffries and Darren LaHood, two congressmen, a Democrat and a Republican. You can download the Sounds On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check us out on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Crystal Ball stays 
Doug High stays. I'm Kevin Cirilli. I'll stick around. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. It's Wednesday, and there's you two. It's a great song. I'm Kevin Cerilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV, Bloomberg Radio. Doug Heiss here, Republican strategist, Chris Laval, Democratic strategist, the co-host of The Rising on the Hill TV. What's been going on with The Rising? Oh, all kinds of stuff. We had an interview today with the Surgeon General I talking saw about that. vaping and marijuana and all kinds of what things. What are they going to do? I mean, I, I, go to Gregory's, I go to Gregory's Coffee and, and the CBD lattes there, and I'm like, is this against the law? Is Mayor Bowser going <laughs> to okay. like, like swoop in on a scooter with a paper straw and be like... <laughs> Get this CBD latte out. What did he say? Um, he's, he is very, very opposed to marijuana legalization. He has health concerns, public health concerns, and says he, he buys into the whole gateway drug thing, which I think is nonsense, but that's his but view. what about CBD? I, I mean, don't it's know. Like a whole, it's like a whole different... I, I think you're okay with that. But they, they I mean, now... I say people, I did it, Crystal. Come I, on, I have bosses listening. I'm just saying, in <laughs> case you did, I think you're... They think that stuff is good for everything, though. It can't possibly be good for all the things that they say it's good for. I'm still waiting for the medical use of tobacco other than when you get a bee sting you rub it on your you did this as a kid right no, you we, rubbed you rubbed the cigarette on your wrist where you got stung and it's and oh, that helps when i was but a otherwise, kid coca-cola was literally yeah. the answer to everything that was my mom's medicine for everything that ailed us okay Coca-Cola. but also if we could just have this entire town not smell like pot for just like a week like maybe on 421 dc can't smell oh like pot. Gosh. all right switching back to tariffs <laughs> <laughs> tariffs are going to <laughs> Uh, be impacting to all of this. Actually, I want to. Uh, we were talking about tariffs, but I do want to pivot back to impeachment because there's all this chatter about impeachment, uh, and we're going to hear coming up uh, from uh, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries later on in the program. We'll, we'll, I asked him about impeachment and USMCA and all of that, and we'll hear from him. But on the issue of impeachment, Crystal, I'm curious for your take because they're marching down this yeah. path, and, yeah. and, and and Speaker Pelosi earlier today at her press conference, she said that. Uh, that they're following a path that that most Americans do think that impeachment means removing from office. I'm like, I don't think most Americans actually think that, but I think a lot of us lived through the 90s, even if we were kids. Yeah. And but but your thoughts on on impeachment and where things stand? All right. So I think the the bottom line is I think impeachment moving forward with impeachment would be a disaster. Why? And the reason for that is not necessarily the politics, which I think are more complicated than people say. I mean, Pelosi reportedly believes will Dems will lose the House and lose the presidency in 2020 if we move forward with impeachment. I don't know if that's right or not. My problem is that I believe the problem with Trump is much bigger than Trump. I think the problem is Trumpism, the right-wing populism that has swept not just our country, but the globe. This is not an isolated phenomenon. I think impeachment is a so-so like an okay way to deal with Trump and an absolute catastrophic disaster in terms of dealing with Trumpism. And, oh, by the way, we already know what the outcome is going to be. Yeah. The Senate is not going to convict. So why would you engage in a political exercise that you know is going to end in failure? Yeah, and I think I think it's a disaster for, for different reasons, though I agree with that. Um, one is, you know, having worked in the House of Representatives during 98, Um, There was kind of the gleeful jumping on board on all things Clinton impeachment Mm -hmm. if you're a Republican. And the result wasn't great for Republicans. So I would Mm -hmm. caution my Democratic friends on that. Um, I think the smart thing for Pelosi and the Democrats to do, if they can pull it off, is to ride this as far as they can until you get to, let's say, a year from now, you know, right about before the August recess break and say, we can't 
we can't do any impeachment now. That would be too political in an election season. You've made your case, but don't do it. Uh, but meanwhile, you know, people want to impeach this president. People wanted to impeach Obama. Some Democrats wanted to impeach Bush, like, and obviously impeach Clinton. It seems like that's almost the remedy now for everything. And I think that's a very dangerous precedent. That I know we, we live in a perpetual election cycle. It's an like, outrage folks, cycle. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's well, and every a, and everything feels existential. Yes. And, and I Ooh, would say, look, words. look, I don't want to pretend like Trump is the same as all those other people, and oh, we just impeach everybody. I do think that there is something different about what is happening with this president and with the movement behind him, because I think he is much weaker than the movement that. Then that supports him, and that's what concerns me. But I do believe that impeachment is a very poor remedy, a counterproductive remedy to deal with. The I real agree with everything she's well, saying. I, well, I just think that's such a powerful quote. Crystal happening? Ball, Crystal Ball's back, and she said <laughs> that President Trump is weaker than the movement that supports. Wow, that was. I mean, I'm not I saying I agree or disagree. <laughs> well, same. I mean, this is all I do. I have no life. Here's Speaker Pelosi earlier today at the press conference talking about impeachment. We know exactly what path we're on. We know exactly what actions we need to take. Okay, and while for- that may take more time than some people want it to take, I respect their impatience. But do, do you, but, but seriously, do yeah. you think that Speaker Pelosi knows what Pat, like do you as a Democrat, as someone who knows every Democrat in the progressive movement, do you believe that all of those progressives feel that they know the path that Speaker Pelosi is leading them down. Because I got to be honest, based on my reporting and the people that I talk to, a lot of them are like, we don't know what the, we don't know what, we're, okay, Nance, like what, what are we doing? I think that she has been very clear that she feels that impeachment is the wrong move and that moving forward with the investigations is the right way to go, but don't call them impeachment, which I think is what Hakeem Jeffries has been saying and might have been told, mm-hmm. might have told you in the interview yeah. you're going to um, run later. On the specifics, though, yeah, I think we probably need some more clarity. Like, how do we deal with the fact that they're just ignoring subpoenas? How do you actually move forward with getting some of these details in front of the American people when the administration is just going to stonewall you at every turn? All right, coming up, Congressman Darren LaHood. He is a Republican representing Illinois. Crystal Ball sticks around. Doug High stays. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check us out on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Thank you for listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Congressman Darren LaHood. A Republican from Illinois. He's a member of the Ways and Means Committee. We're talking tariffs. We're talking trade. He joins us on the telephone line. Congressman LaHood, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. I take it that you don't like what the president's doing with tariff threats against Mexico. Why not? Well, Kevin, thanks for having me on. Good to be with you and your listeners. Listen, in general, I am not a fan of tariffs. Tariffs are taxes. They're taxes on consumers. They're taxes on businesses. I represent a district in central, west central Illinois that is the eighth largest ag district in the country. 
We also have the largest concentration of caterpillar workers, so manufacturing in ag is vitally important. Uh, and, and tariffs are, are having a negative effect on both of those industries. However, I do think that um, the president is trying to use tariffs in a narrowly tailored way to get the Chinese to stop their behavior. They have been ripping us off for 25 years on technology, ripping off our intellectual property, stealing our military secrets, and, and enough is enough. So I, it's a fine line that the president is navigating right now. Um, but I will tell you this, my farmers uh, have expressed a lot of anxiety and uneasiness with the tariffs, but they have not abandoned the president. They want what's best for America. They are very patriotic. Uh, and they want us to win the war with China when it comes to technology. So when you get back to what so – that this is what I find so fascinating, Congressman, and you know this better than anybody, especially when you, you're like ground zero for these tariffs and the impact that they're having, not just in the agricultural sector, but also for caterpillar workers and folks who are working on widgets and, and zip, zip lining all across the world. But when you take it to the US and USMCA front – and Mexico and Canada, when the president's threatening to increase tariffs on Mexico, farmers don't want that. And I, look, the polls agree with you. The, the farmers are sticking by politically with President Trump. But on the issue of, issue of policy, I mean, so many of these farmers, they've just been absolutely pummeled, pummeled by the uncertainty of these tariffs. So how do you get the presidents here? How do you pull them aside in the Oval and say, hey, you know what, sir, these tariffs, it, it's not making things easier. Well, I, listen, that, that's a constant conversation that uh, I've been uh, fortunate to have with the president and his trade team, and he's got a good team around him. Ambassador Lighthizer is very, very capable when it comes to trade policy, and, and so we've been, uh, we, we've been constantly in those negotiations. But remember, we have one of the strongest economies going in the world right now. Uh, you know, uh, you look at Europe, they have a, a growth rate of about 1%. We're at 3.2%. You know, so we've benefited from a strong economy. But what I've said to the president and his trade team is we shoot ourselves in the foot. We go backwards after all the progress we've made with tax reform, with regulatory relief, if we go backwards with trade. And that's what I worry about long term. Uh, you know, we are a country that is only four and a half percent of the world's population. We need customers. We need market share around the world. So, listen, I, I think the president has a, a, a narrow runway here to kind of land the plane when it comes to USMCA, when it comes to trade with China. Um, but listen, he's, he's made a lot of very uh, good decisions thus far, uh, and we just got to make sure that uh, we, we get this right in the end. So bottom line, do you think what the president, and I know you're busy, this will be my last question for you, and we appreciate you coming on, but do you think that what the president's doing, does it hurt or, hint, or does it help or hurt the chances of getting USMCA and getting Speaker Pelosi to agree to have a vote on USMCA uh, with these tariffs? Does it hurt or help it? Well, I think, uh, I think it's premature to make that decision, Kevin. And w what I mean by that, and I don't mean to punt on the question, but... It's listen, okay. It wouldn't be the first time a politician's dodged me, Congressman. <laughs> I'll be honest. Go ahead. Well, but, but, but listen, uh, listen, the president is frustrated. We have a humanitarian crisis on our border, right? Uh, we continue to have migrants and people that don't abide by the law, and the Mexicans have not done what they said they were going to do. So, um, listen, as I said in the beginning, I'm not a fan of tariffs. Tariffs should not be used, but... Uh, if it's a leverage point to get them to change their behavior, that's a good thing. So if come Monday morning uh, the president's implementing 5% tariffs, I'm not going to be supportive of that. And I think there will be a lot in Congress that won't be. And to your question, yes, that hurts USMCA. 
this is a good agreement. A, a third of the products we grow, produce, or manufacture in Illinois, in my district, go to Mexico or Canada. You look at the 24 chapters that have been put forth in this agreement, it is positive. This is uh, good on substance and on merit. We need this trade agreement. So, yeah, I, I understand the president's frustration, but it's a reflection, I think, of, of many of us that to not get the Democrats to come forth and, and come up with a solution on how we stop people from illegally coming across our southern border. Congressman Darren LaHood, a Republican from Illinois, battleground zero of the tariff tariff issue. He's also – I didn't know this. I'm a runner too, Congressman. You've run five marathons? I, I have. I'm proud of that. Now, that was – I just turned 50 this year. I haven't done one in a while, so my, my hips don't work like they used <laughs> to, but avid runner. What's the best what, – what's the uh, – where, where where'd you do the marathons? What was your favorite marathon that you did? Yeah, so I did five. I did the Chicago Marathon twice. Wow. I did the Las Vegas Marathon. I did New York City, and I did Marine Corps. My best time was 3.20, which was New York City Marathon. Wow, that's good. Okay, final question, and I, I know your, your staff's going to be like, oh, gosh. But did you see this? Chuck Grassley gave an interview to The Post, and he says he runs. Who's faster, you or Chuck Grassley? <laughs> well, you know what? I, I think I can beat Chuck Grassley considering he's 85 and I just turned 50. <laughs> so that, that may be a challenge, Kevin, that I'm putting out on the air right now. Wow, I love it. All right, Congressman, thank you. I hope I didn't get you in trouble with Chuck. All right, coming up, more fallout from tariffs. Panel stays. They're reacting. Doug High, Crystal Ball, and I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You can check out our full interview with Congressman Hakeem Jeffries, a rising star within the Democratic Party. He represents the Democrats in New York City. It aired on Bloomberg Television, and now I'll play a portion of of it for you now where he talks about impeachment. Here's Hakeem Jeffries. Well, in my view, uh, we should consent to continue to uh, proceed with our investigation. And the House Judiciary Committee has indicated that they will conduct hearings on obstruction of justice, abuse of power, and the culture of corruption that appears to exist at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. That is the correct approach at this time. We should be guided by the Constitution at the end of the day. And we are in fact-gathering mode. Once we gather all of the facts, which will include the unredacted Mueller report, the underlying documentation, and securing the public testimony of Bob Mueller, then we'll be in a better situation to decide how to proceed. You still think you can get Mueller to testify publicly? In my view, Bob Mueller should testify publicly. Uh, This is an incredibly significant investigation that he presided over. It lasted for 22 months. He produced a comprehensive report, over 400 pages, and millions of taxpayer dollars were spent to do it. We now need to hear from Bob Mueller. On USMCA or NAFTA 2.0, it sounds like you want to get to a yes, but this tariff talk is making it more difficult for Democrats to get on board, as are environmental protections and worker protections. Well, Trump's erratic behavior as it relates uh, to tariffs have made things more difficult for the American consumer. These tariffs are a tax on everyday Americans, working families, middle-class folks, senior uh, citizens, and could cost upward of $800 per American family uh, should he go through with these reckless threats. That's a problem in and of itself uh, for the entire economy. 
With respect to the USMCA, House Democrats, led by Speaker Pelosi, have consistently said, we want to get to yes, but we need to see uh, greater labor and environmental standards, as well as an enforceability mechanism, particularly as it relates to Mexico, to ensure that those standards can be brought to life. Do you want to be Speaker of the House, Governor of New York, Senator of New York, or Mayor of New York City? I have the greatest job in the world right now, which oh, is chair you gotta give me something. of the House Democratic Caucus, <laughs> and I'm committed to the institution of the House. And what I've learned is that you've got to focus on the job that you have, do that job to the best of your ability, and the rest will take care of itself. So well said, Hakeem Jeffries. Focus on the job you have and do it to the best of your ability. Do it with gratitude, I would add. Doug High, Republican strategist, crystal ball, Democratic strategist. Doug, you were saying you don't buy that. You think no. he's got his eye What's he got his eye on? Well, I don't know what he has his eye on, but let's face it, being a, just a member of Congress is not the best job in the world. <laughs> wow, it's, not even, it's just real it's talk. It's not even the best job in Washington. <laughs> Capitol Hill is a bad workplace. It is wow. a terrible workplace. And I'm an being optimist. Being speaker may be amazing. But you hate your existence almost every day because of what you have to do. I am an optimist, and I like to believe, Crystal Ball, that yes. these lawmakers, I would hopefully say most of them, either party, believe that they have a good job, right? But you think he's got his eye on something else? Of course he does. Yeah. Like I mean, he may have his eye on a few something else's, right? And see how the political winds shake up. But Hakeem Jeffrey, I mean, he does a very good job. He did a nice job in the interview with you. He walks the line, he knows how to. He knows what to say and how to say it. He's gone places. He's already arrived places. All right, who's going places in the 2020 field? I got to say, I am uh, becoming more and more of a believer in Elizabeth Warren. Uh, We were talking in the break. She had a massive, catastrophic mistake with the whole Native American thing. That was really devastating. But The whole thing. Let's just, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. But, but, she has really impressed me with just how she has done her thing. I mean, this is a woman who has spent her career looking at the financial trouble that families get into and thinking about what we could do about that. And she just put out this big economic patriotism framework with their first sort of big climate change initiative. It looks very much like the Green New Deal, but pretty smart and thorough. And to me, it is the first real response on the left to Trumpism. So um, she's climbing in the polls bit by bit. I'm impressed. Did you guys see this with Bernie Sanders? Did you did you see this with Bernie Sanders when he went to show up at Walmart? So, yeah, so Senator Bernie that. Sanders shows up unannounced, unannounced at Walmart's annual shareholders meeting in Arkansas. Arkansas, first of all, I didn't know Walmart in Arkansas, where he criticized the retail giant over workers' wages. Here's Senator Bernie Sanders at Walmart. Despite the incredible wealth of its owner, Walmart pays many of its employees starvation wages. Doug, I got to be honest, the headline risk out of Washington, D.C., now you've got like 20-some Democratic presidential candidates. Every CEO in America is watching Arkansas and Walmart and Bernie Sanders, and they're like, oh, my gosh, bunker down. Who's coming to our (laughs) shareholder meetings? Yeah, yes, yes and no. So, you know, I think what Bernie did was, A, smart, but B, also shows how politics have really changed in the past Mm -hmm. couple years, where you can't just say that you're fighting, but you have to fight, and you have to demonstrate that you're fighting. But the other is, and it didn't get much attention, Trump went after AT&T this week, and AT&T just kind of yawned. A year and a half ago, that would have
wouldn't have happened. It didn't affect its share price. Nothing really happened. And that, to me, is really significant. I just want to – two things on Bernie Sanders. First of all, what Doug said is 100 percent right. He has really kind of pioneered this model of using his campaign not just as a campaign but as an organizing tool. I mean, calling – leveraging his lists and supporters to show up for union strikes, right? These aren't things that have been done before. He has a unionized campaign. And this move with Walmart was quintessential Bernie. He already, let's not forget, shamed Amazon into raising their wages to $15 an hour. So he has had some success in calling these corporations on the carpet and actually getting them to make changes. Yeah, I mean, I I think ultimately part of that is he didn't just make a statement, put out a press release. He was physically there, which drew a lot of camera attention in a way that it doesn't if you do a stakeout in front of the you know, Capitol or something right. like that. And that kind of attitude that Bernie brings to things is, is one of the reasons that he's successful. He's not just a candidate. He's a cause. All right. We've got like a minute left. What did you guys think of the state dinner with uh, the queen and Trump and the first family? I, I thought it was nice. I thought it got a lot of crystal balls rolling. I'm, I'm, I'm going to defer to Doug. <laughs> I thought it went about as well as it could have. I thought it went well. I didn't think it did was you guys, a flop. Did you guys That's... see this thing? This is different, but did you see this thing about how the queen uses her purse to signal, like... No. Yeah, so if she sets her purse down on the table, that means she wants to leave within five minutes. <laughs> if she does this, like, turn thing, which as, as a former staffer, I'm sure Doug can relate to, it means she's in a boring conversation she wants her staffers to, like, pull her out of. This is all, yeah. This Doug, is yeah and this is 70 years of honing this, right? What was Eric Cantor's code word for when he wanted to get out of a situation. Cirilli. So, <laughs> see, okay. I mean, I did this with my friends where, like, we would all have code words. Like, remember, like, oh, if you want to leave or, like, dodge. No, no one did that. Just me. Okay. Yeah. No, I, you know, you do the tap on the top yes. of your head. Yeah. yeah. You can usually tell just looking at the face. But you the know. queen is a purse. I didn't know this. The queen has a purse. And if she moves her purse a certain way, that means get her out of there. Meghan Markle. Where's Meghan Markle? Get her out of there. All right, you can download the sound on podcast at Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check us out as well as Tom Keen and my talented, talented colleagues on Spotify, Radio.com, as well as iHeartRadio. Crystal Ball, Democratic strategist. She also is a co-host of The Rising on the Hill TV. What's the website? Hill.tv. Hill.tv. And Doug High, former comms director for the RNC, deputy chief of staff for Eric Cantor and a Republican strategist. And that's it for me, Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Bloomberg Radio. They're in recess for the rest of the week with the Mexico delegation meeting here, talking trade, talking tariffs. Thank you to Hakeem Jeffries. Thank you to Darren LaHood. That's it. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.